Hi, friends. Welcome to the Seek Holy Living podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. The fruit of the spirit is something that we are all so familiar with and have heard so many times. And I think it's one of those things that we can become so familiar with that it can almost become overly comfortable. And maybe we cannot put at the highest of priorities that it really should be as we're raising our children to know and love and serve the Lord, which I know is our greatest calling as Christian moms. And I am so excited today to be sharing a new resource with you called Fruitful, 100 Family Experiences for Growing in the Fruit of the Spirit. And it's a really excellent resource. I know you're going to enjoy hearing about it and want to check it out yourself as well. And I have the author with me today. Her name is Christy Thomas, and it is such a privilege to be here together. As we were talking beforehand, before we started recording, it was so neat to hear the similar heartbeat that we have for ministry in the church with children. We both come from a children's ministry background. Christy was in children's ministry for many years. And then God began shifting her ministry towards creating these resources for parents to be able to use at home with their families. So she's the author of multiple Christian books for kids and families to be able to use as resources in your home. She is a homeschool mama to three boys who are 13, 10, and eight. And if you want to be able to find her and follow her, you can find her on Instagram at Little Shoots Deep Roots. And you can also check out her website. It's www.fruitofthespiritbook.com. And when you go there, you'll also find some free downloads that go along with this book to be able to give you even more resources as you're using it. So I'm, and, um, oh, One other thing I almost forgot, we're going to do a giveaway this week. So be watching on her Instagram and on mine for a giveaway of this book, because I know as you hear about it, you're going to want to get a copy of it for yourself as well. Christy, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me today. This is going to be a lot of fun. So let's start out just with a basic introduction of your book, Fruitful. I love the title. It's so sweet. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, it's obviously just as you were introducing it, it's talking about the fruit of the spirit. And I think that most Christians would agree that we grow in the fruit of the spirit by abiding in Christ and that it really shouldn't be a to-do list, but most of us are still kind of treating it like a checklist. Okay. Patience check. Got that today or didn't. Mm -hmm. And partly because we don't really know what it means to abide in Christ. So in fruitful, I really just want to help your family focus on how Jesus lived out the fruit of the spirit. And how, as we abide in him, the Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus. So every Mm. uh, topic of the book includes a page of simple interactive family experiences to get your kids excited about the topic and memorizing scripture together. And then each topic includes 10 daily reflections that focus on the hands, heart and habits of Jesus as he lived out the fruit of the spirit on earth Mm. and includes family, family friendly discussion starters that you can, you know, ask your four-year-old the same question as you're asking your 16 year old. And you're going to have great conversations with both of them. And then prayers to really just help you invite the Holy Spirit to do his fruitful work in you. So I'm really excited. I've been using it with my kids, obviously. (laughs) And we're about halfway through going through it again. And it's really just been beautiful to do as a family. 
That's wonderful. Well, and I really like what you said about using Christ as our model, because in motherhood, we're raising up. I mean, I say it all the time that we're raising up disciples. We're not raising children. We are mm. raising children to be disciples, not to be children, not to be, not to be scholars. Maybe they will be scholars, but that's not our goal. Um, our goal is to not have perfect people, but our goal is to have disciples. And Jesus mm. is the master example of training up disciples. And so I always think looking back to him as our example will never serve us wrong and always will point us in the right direction that we want to be going as moms. So I, I really love the idea of using that as a direction for our children, for our children as well. Um, so growing in the fruit of the spirit, it's interesting when I started this book and sharing it with my children at home to be able to get familiar with it before this recording, I asked my children, uh, about the fruit of the spirit and which ones they would especially like to grow in. And it was exactly what you said though, was what is the different ones that they said were the things that they said, I feel like I need to work on this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, that's exactly what we want to avoid is this is not something that we're working towards. Um, mm -hmm. Would you say that that's kind of a common misconception about this passage of scripture within, within the church? Oh, absolutely. We turn this list of fruit into a what to do or what to look like, and we miss the how. So here's what I mean by that. We turn this list mm -hmm. into, you know, what we're supposed to look like as Christians. We're supposed to be kind. We're supposed to be gentle and loving and patient and all those things. But if we miss the how, we're inevitably going to try to do these things on our own. Well, what's the how? Wow. It's actually in the title. The title is the fruit of the spirit. So mm -hmm. the how is the spirit. It's the spirit working with us. So when Paul wrote about the fruit of the spirit, he meant that when we put our roots down deep into God's love and our souls are nurtured by living water and we follow the light of the world, then like a tree, we're going to grow good fruit. And the fruit that grows in our lives as a result of being with Christ is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not a to-do list or even a to-be to list. It's the evidence of a soul that's growing in Christ. So when we're thinking about the fruit of the spirit, if you're, you know, we're comparing ourselves to a tree really. So we can't say to an apple tree, okay, tree, grow more apples. I want to see more green apples from you. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. And we often say the same thing to our ourselves or our kids. Okay. I want to see more patience from you. Let's do it. And yes, we can practice those things, but what helps a tree grow more apples? It's making sure it gets enough water. It's making sure that it's not being shaded out by big spruce trees around it. It's, um, making sure it gets fertilizer. So that's, that's our job in growing the fruit of the spirit. It's not trying harder. It's connecting with Jesus, who is the living water. He is mm -hmm. the light of the world. He is all, he's the food for our souls. So when we're focusing on that part, it's almost like we can't help but grow in the fruit of the spirit. It's just going to come out of us. And yes, we do still have to kind of yeah. practice it a little bit, right? Like we have to partner with God in that. And yeah, when you're giving me the opportunity to practice patience, I'm going to ask you for it. And then I'm going to actually <laughs> implement that. Right. I'm not just going to be like sitting there like, Oh, make me patient. <laughs> I do still have to work with him on that. But, but instead of focusing on the fruit, we need to focus on the tree, which is mm -hmm. our relationship with God. Absolutely. And I find that to be true in my mothering as well, that it's interesting. I truly try to create rhythms of time with the Lord that just happen in our home because mm -hmm. 
the training and instruction and discipline is going to happen the more that we're together because we just do life together. So there's opportunities to see, Hey, you know, when we were worried about that and we were living in fear, that was not living in peace. So let's see, Mm -hmm. how could we live in peace in that situation? So we give those examples, but where ultimately it's always, I find in my home falls back to is the rhythms that we've already had set in place of the time that we spend with the Lord. So Mm -hmm. I have to do it myself first as a mom. And I would be the first to tell you that this has not always been my strong suit, that there have been seasons where it was really hard for me to regularly be getting up and having time with the Lord alone. I think some of it is because I had that alone part. Like I was stuck on that. I mean, yeah. I'm not anymore. <laughs> the more, the more people who have like children that come into my home, the less alone seems necessary that <laughs> my time with the Lord now mostly includes, you know, a little one climbing on my head or, uh, you know, I've just changed a diaper and I literally keep my Bible by, our diapers and wipes in our family room, because I know Mm. I'm going to do that every morning. And so then my Bible's there. I can just open it right up and I can read, but I need that because I want those fruits of the spirit displayed in my life as the mother, because if I'm not living those out, how can I expect them to be living those out? So I start by filling my heart by abiding, right? By like Grounding mm-hmm. my roots myself. Yeah. But then, as a family, in the mornings, we spend time during our morning time as we do it during breakfast. And I did a podcast mm-hmm. a while ago called Morning Time that I will um, link in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to that, where I talk more about our morning time. But during that time, we really spend time intentionally building in those moments with the Lord every day. So through prayer, through time in God's word, through a hymn study that we'll do, and then we're memorizing scripture because all of those things are filling our bank. I find it's really, it's like it's filling their bank so that later in the day, when we have that conversation about peace, we're drawing from the well we've already filled. Mm -hmm. We're not then trying to, in that moment, pull out these scripture cards. Well, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It's like, what? We haven't ever even, we don't even do these things. Who does this? That, that's yeah. such a different way to go about it. Yeah. So um, it's like you're creating, what? you're creating, oh, sorry. I was going to say, like you're creating okay. a culture in your home that this is what we talk about. This is what we do. This is who we go to for our answers and our support. And if you don't practice those things outside of the the necessity, like those moments when things are going crazy, then they're not going to be well received in the moments when your kids are fighting each other. (laughs) Absolutely. Like you said, if they're like, we don't do this in our family, what are you, you're trying to make me pray when I want to punch my brother. (laughs) (laughs) But if you've been doing that regularly already with your kids, then it might still feel a little like they don't want to do this, but it doesn't, it's not because it's just because of their sinfulness. It's not because it's something that you just don't do in your family. Right. No, I agree completely. And I think it's really important for children, for children and also for moms. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's one of the most beautiful things. I remember one of the first times when I was reading the Jesus storybook Bible with my first, when he was very little, he was probably about four or five. And we were going through, you know, little sections at a time. And realizing that the Holy Spirit met me in those mm. moments, that during those times, it, w- it was not an easy um, four or five-year-old 
person, you know, some four or five-year-olds are maybe a bit more compliant. This one was not. Um, and the Lord was working on my patience in that time. And I also had a two-year-old at the time. So just a lot going on. And I was probably pregnant part of that time as well. That's a lot of variables that those, that was a time when having time alone with the Lord was a lot harder for me. But God was so faithful to meet me in my time that I was spending with them, with the Lord and minister to my heart. So let's first talk about young children. Why do you think it's so important for young children to be, to be studying God's word with their families in this way? Oh, it just, they just need to know Jesus, right? You know, it's so necessary for them to know and trust the person of Jesus and to know the Bible. So Jesus I go, I always go back to Jesus with the little ones because he's the image of the invisible God. He's a, he's God with skin on. So he's, sometimes he's easier to understand than some of these other things. Mm -hmm. So our kids really just need to know Jesus. So the reason I focus exclusively on Jesus in the book is that Jesus makes the fruit of the spirit tangible. The concept can be kind of confusing to kids who just can't really think metaphorically. So I use the fruit of the spirit as a way of guiding the way that we see Jesus. So if one of the fruits of is joy, then we're going to see Jesus being joyful, right? So as we go, as we help our kids understand who Jesus is and then who God is in, you know, in that context as well, um, they're going to learn to trust him. They're going to learn to know him. They're going to know that, oh, I can call on God when I don't understand how to do this math thing. So instead of screaming, mm-hmm. I can, <laughs> I can folk, I can deal with this with perseverance. Uh, they can know that when they're in the middle of the night, God is there with them as well. So mm-hmm. God becomes a lot more real when we are consistently talking with God or talking with our kids through the Bible, we're praying with them. And that is, that's so important. We want our kids to know that God is relevant to our lives mm-hmm. right now. If we just throw him out or we just say, but not throw him out, <laughs> I mean, like throw out the concept yeah. of God on Sundays after church. Okay. What'd you learn in church today? And then we don't talk about them the rest of the week. We've completely made him irrelevant to Mm -hmm. the majority of our lives. So if we're talking about him all the time, then he is, he becomes more relevant. And I think that really makes a difference for us as moms too. I've noticed that over the Mm -hmm. last few years, I've become more able to talk about God, to invite, you know, to invite prayer in the middle of a tense moment um, because we've been talking about God regularly in our home. So I'm like, even just for me, it's helped me take faith out of that private, just in my heart thing and make it more of a, a community thing, which I really think is very biblical. Like faith isn't it's supposed to be just me and God. It's supposed to impact everything that we do in our lives. Yeah. You mentioning the prayer thing makes mm-hmm. me think back to another episode that I did a little while ago about raising prayerful kids and mm-hmm. how prayer is a conversation with us and the Lord and with our children and how do we teach them how to pray? And I think that having resources to be able to use right off the bat with them in the day, like starting the day with that is so important because Mm -hmm. Jesus spent time. He, I mean, if he went away to be with his father and have time with him, then that (laughs) obviously we're using him as our example, right? That gives us a space to know this is important for us. And this is really important for our children as well. And I like that you mentioned that it makes him real. Uh, my mm. sweet three-year-old is very black and white still. You know, when children are young, there's not a lot of um, in-between. Things are real yeah. or they are not. Um, I mean, they have their pretend world too, though, which also plays into that. And it's interesting because she's been asking me lately quite a few times. She's asked, and Jesus is real? I'm like, yes, 
Jesus is real. He is very real because remember, and I'll talk about why he's real and how we read about him in the Bible and God's word is true. And it has always been true. And all of these people, they were real people and they really were alive and they really did these things and to bring it to life. And I said, but like, what about like Rapunzel? Let's talk about Rapunzel because <laughs> we've been on it. We've been on a, um, on a tangled kick. Is Rapunzel real? And she, as quick as anything, was like, yes. And I was thought, oh, man. Okay. Well, <laughs> is Rapunzel real, though? Like, I mean, she's a picture. And she goes, I saw her at Disneyland. <laughs> and I thought, oh. okay, well, in her defense, thinking about children, that's actually extremely confusing that we have mm-hmm. these cartoon movies and we have these dressed up as real people, princesses. Um mm-hmm. I mean, we could go down the Santa road. I know people go both ways in the Christian mm-hmm. community of we're going to do Santa. We do, we do Santa in our home and, and it's a fun thing of the way we do Christmas. And it's a fun, like imaginative fun thing. But I also mm-hmm. have family members who have said, we're not doing that at all. We don't want to blur the lines between Jesus being real and this being an imaginative mm-hmm. thing. So yeah. I really, really like a lot the ways that you talked about this being a way to make Jesus real. Um, what are some mm-hmm. of the ways that that will that the kids will grow in that in the realness, the tangibleness of who Jesus is through this study? Well, the, as we're looking at his life, I mean, this the whole study is really just through the Gospels, except we're just looking at it through the lens of <clears throat> sorry the specific you know, values of the whole of the fruit of the Spirit. So, let's say we're looking at Jesus when he's patient. Um, so Jesus finds out that his cousin has been beheaded and he takes off in a boat with his disciples and he's trying to go and be alone. And we say to our kids, like, have you ever had a moment like that where you just want to be alone and something is really bad? You want to go maybe hide in your room or under your bed. Well, guess what? Jesus tried to do that. And, but guess what else? People followed him. Have you ever had people try to (laughs) come in and annoy you when you were just trying to be alone? Well, yes, that happens to us as well. And so what did Jesus do? Well, he had compassion on them and he taught them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not always going to be easy for us. And we're not always going to be able to copy Jesus just like that. Right. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be more like Jesus. So in those moments when you just want to be alone and your little sibling is just like knocking at your door, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can pray and you can say, Jesus, help me, help me (laughs) so much right now. And he can help you be patient with your brother, just like Jesus was patient with his disciples. So I think it's when we connect the dots between the Bible story and the Holy Spirit. So you see Jesus doing this and we can't, we don't, we can't just copy him because we are not God in flesh. (laughs) I can't just do exactly what he does, but we have God working in our hearts, right? So there's the the dot connector Mm -hmm. between the Bible story and how we can actually live this out is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. One of my kids has reminded me of that. Like, well, I'm not Jesus. So <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes, we know we are yes. not Jesus, but guess but- what? You have <laughs> Jesus spirit in you, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and I think that's another thing that's super, uh, like empowering for them is to remind them you have the Holy spirit in you. And I will use that time to remind them. Let's think back to the time when you made the choice 
But remember, it wasn't my choice. It was your choice. You made that choice to follow Jesus. And at that time, the Holy Spirit came to be in you and at work in you because you're right. We don't have that on our own. And God's word tells us that we don't have that on their own and I, on our own. And I think that so something wonderful also about this study is that it is reinforcing that we are not strong enough on our own to do these things. So when, when we fall short and when they fall short, because we all will, I mean, goodness, as mothers, as living our lives in front of them, how many opportunities do we have to say, I'm so sorry. I was not (laughs) kind in the way I should have been kind, or I was not showing gentleness at all. Please forgive me. I should have really taken a deep breath before I spoke because that's not of the Lord. That Mm. was of me. Um, and as we apologize in those ways and live as an example for them, it leads them in realizing, oh, this is the work of the Holy spirit in me. It's not me, Mm -hmm. which is what we want for them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about what this looks like. How do we actually put this into practice? So can you give kind of an example having, I love that you have three boys because for some reason people have this thing in their mind that like, oh, girls are always calm and okay. (laughs) Some are, don't get me wrong, but I definitely think a home of three boys have, has an expectation of a different (laughs) level of activeness and excitement Mm -hmm. and enthusiasm probably taking place. And the idea of Bible time also can kind of come with this idea of like everyone's still and quiet and it's serene. And while that's beautiful, right, maybe there's moments of that, but it surely doesn't look like that most of the time in my house. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So how do we actually like deal with that? So yes, how does it talk about this? Well, for in our house, it looks like sometimes my kids are wandering around while I'm reading. And sometimes it's me saying, hey, sit back down. We're not done yet. But a lot of the times I just try to remind myself that I need to engage them and not just lecture them. So I use this example sometimes when I'm teaching of like our kids sometimes feel like we're just taking them down this long walk down a white hallway. Sorry, a frog in my throat. Um, like we're taking them down this long walk down a white hallway with a single door at the end and they just can't wait to get to the end. So they're fidgety and they're antsy and they don't want to listen because it's so boring. So mm-hmm. we're just rushing. They just want to rush down the hallway and be done. And we kind of feel like that too. Nobody wants to walk down this long white hallway, but that's sometimes how we think about family devotions. Like I just got to get them to sit and listen until we're done. Mm. Um, instead, I like to think about family devotions as like walking in the mountains alongside a river with your kids. If you're walking in the mountains alongside a river, you're not just like, okay, let's go, let's get to the end. No, you're like throwing rocks in the river and you're looking in the mountains and you're picking flowers and you're stopping for snack breaks. And yes, there might still be some whining if you're going for a hike in the mountains with your kids, Mm -hmm. but overall it's going to be a much more pleasant experience because you're not expecting them to just hoof it to the top of the mountain, you are expecting that there's going to be breaks and there's going to be conversation. So when we think about, you know, family devotions or morning time or whatever, as if we're just like trying to get to the end, just sit and listen, be quiet. um, We're all going to get frustrated with each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But instead, if we think about it as we're going to engage our kids, we're going to, it's okay for them to interrupt me. Sometimes I have to remind myself of this a lot. It's okay, actually, for them to interrupt me with a thought that, you know, they just connected the dots. And if I say, shush, wait till the end, they're going to lose that dot that they just connected. Mm -hmm. So I just need to let them say their thing. Or maybe I just need to encourage conversation in the middle. Sometimes in my devotions, I actually write in a question and it kind of just looks like you're supposed to just keep going. But I always actually just stop and actually ask my kids that question. 
you know, in the middle of the paragraph, well, have you had a time like that? And it enables them to, you know, talk with me and we have much more engaging time because I'm not expecting them to just be quiet and listen. So, and also just remembering that um, just because somebody is moving around doesn't mean they're not listening. So I think we have this expectation that sit still and listen is the only way to be listening. But, you know, I found from my time in children's ministry that sometimes it's the kid that's wandering around at the back that actually is retaining the most. One time, so I was teaching large group and my son, who was like nine at the time, was playing with a fidget spinner the whole time. And it was driving me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, stop. Like I just, but I didn't want to like single him out. He's my kid right? in front of people. I know. Yeah. And he he wasn't being distracting to anybody else, but then I asked him about the lesson later and he like whipped it. He knew exactly what I'd been teaching Mm. about and the point of it. So he had been listening, even though it looked to me like he was super distracted. So I think it's really important for us to even just to know our kids, know which ones are listening when they're moving around, which ones are actually not listening. Sometimes kids are really truly not listening when they're wandering Mm -hmm. around, (laughs) but just to know our kids too, it's, it's okay for them to move around. So that was a lot in, you know, five minutes there, but (laughs) no, I agree completely. And I find when we have busy hands, a lot of times it helps for our Mm -hmm. hearts to be more open Uh, and that's partly why we do it during morning time during, and oftentimes literally during breakfast while they're eating, because Mm -hmm. if mouths are full and hands are busy, then there are a lot of the places of distraction are already being filled. Uh, and I really like that. I really like starting the day that way. And I like the rhythm that they can expect. And I want them to grow into that. Mm -hmm. I think again, again, I'm not raising children, I'm raising adults. So I want them to grow, to be adults who sit down with their coffee and their Bible or sit down with their breakfast and their Bible and probably breakfast and coffee. If I'm not raising them to like coffee, then we've got a, we've got a different struggle here. (laughs) No. Um, but really I want them to have that rhythm established from childhood. Mm. That's something that they take into their adulthood, that they know this is what we do in the mornings when we start our day. And that's why, that's why we do our Bible time and we keep their hands active. So for us, it looks like drawing. Sometimes certain, certain children like to draw some play with Mm Play-Doh. We have a variety of like little building things. And we do this when we do our read alouds for school too. So it kind of transitions also into our school reading aloud time. And if this is something you've never done, it will feel odd to you at first. I remember specifically one time my husband coming in while we were doing history and one child was playing with Legos and one was drawing. And afterwards he was like, were they even like focusing on what you were doing? I mean, they're playing. And I said, no, that's the whole point. This is part of the Mm -hmm. magic that's happening. That's part of the, that's part of the puzzle. And, and he was like, oh, okay. And so, and so then he was fine with it and he's just come to expect it. It doesn't surprise him now, but Mm -hmm. at the beginning, it was not a normal thing for him. So if you have not done this before, trust the process, try it, bring some things Mm -hmm. in for your children to do. Even if it's just paper and pencils or paper and crayons, something for them to do with their hands, to keep them busy while you're reading aloud to them and pause, do engage them. I love that you said to ask them questions partway through and to let Mm -hmm. them share. And the goal is not to complete something. Uh, I've had to remind myself of that as we've been studying, uh, out of the Bible that we use it, man, we are just almost through the, the Pentateuch and we've been going 
forever. Like, I feel like this is taking us forever, but God is just showing up over and over Mm. with these concepts and these deep lessons that my kids will stop and be like, mom, the way the Israelites are complaining, that's like us sometimes, isn't it? And how we, whatever it is, or like they didn't trust God. So they missed out on the promised land. What if we didn't trust God in something he had for us or Mm -hmm. God's specific instructions in building the, in how he gave them instructions to build and how they had to follow them to the T and then them saying, Mm -hmm. Wow, look at how our world, our state, we're in California and things are crazy here. And look at how people in our state are not following God's word specifically. Mm. And look at the consequences that people are suffering because of it. How in the world could I speed through these conversations and these meaningful times in the name of saying, well, we better hurry on up because we better get to Revelation? Like we would be (laughs) missing out on the depth, right? And we have a whole thinkers. Yeah. Well, and we have like a whole lifetime. Well, not a whole lifetime, but we have many years with our kids. I mean, you speed up and get to revelation. What are you going to do? You're going to turn around and start again. (laughs) Right. So it doesn't really matter. There's no rush to get through the entire Bible. Yes. I I really love what you said about the, you know, using your hands. We do that a lot too. I have my kids journal. Sometimes we also do a morning time. We call it Bible and breakfast. Although realistically, some of my kids are on their second breakfast by the time I get to Bible (laughs) and breakfast, (laughs) but it does help a lot for them to be eating and yeah, really makes a huge difference for them to be. I've learned a lot from the homeschool world actually about this idea of, you know, doing something with your hands while you're listening and actually how it can help you listen better. That's between, you know, my experience in children's ministry with the kids at the back who are like actually listening when Uh I didn't expect them to. And then learning from the homeschool moms about, yeah, getting your kids to do something with their hands while you're reading to them can actually help them focus better. Um, And then I realized, oh, we can apply this concept to Bible time as well, of course. So why not? Why wouldn't we? I mean, it works better for me too. I listen to a podcast while I'm doing the dishes. I don't just sit there and like this, like I would totally zone out. <laughs> I know it might be nice to sit still, but that's not realistic either. <laughs> oh, or I'd fall asleep probably. <laughs> right. Right. I know. Don't sit still too long. Um, okay. So to wrap things up, what advice would you give to a mom who is new to implementing like a Bible time with her family? Ooh, I would say start with something really easy. And here's the reason why. So it's super common to feel like I actually don't really have time for this. This seems like a big hairy deal. And Um, So then we, we kind of think I either have to kind of go big or go home. Like it's, it's one or the other. If I, if I, so I just don't have time. So I'm just going to let the church do it. But I believe that that's, that's a lie that we're believing. The lie is that we don't have time to do this. And the truth is that we do have time. We just don't know how to find the right chunk of time. So I don't mean that in a judgy, you do have time way, but I know you have time. I, I do believe that you don't know how to find the time though. So and I would also do- argue, I would argue with that too, that we make time for what's important. So yes, if, absolutely. if yeah. you're saying this is important, then you need to figure out where to put it in your day. And it might yeah. mean taking something out, but taking something out that's good in the, in with the end goal of putting in something that's great will end up serving your children better in the long run. So don't be afraid to take something out that you've been doing in the name of doing something better. Yeah, exactly. Well, and here, here's how you're going to actually get it consistently into your life. You want to pair it with something that you're already doing. So you do it 
with breakfast time. I do it with breakfast time. You know, at bedtime, I also spend time individually with each of my kids. So that's a bedtime routine. So find something you're already doing consistently with your kids. Maybe it's breakfast. Maybe you don't have breakfast together, but you do drive your kids to school every day. Um, Mm -hmm. So you could do it on the drive to school. Um, I know a lot of people that pray with their kids on the drive to school, or they'll listen to worship music together, or they'll have, you know, one of their kids reading a devotional while they're driving to school. So that's actually a really great way when your kids are already kind of confined (laughs) and they kind of have to listen to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's a great place to have good conversations as well. So find something you're already consistently doing with your kids and then pair your Bible reading, your Bible time with that, like sticking it to Velcro. So imagine you, your habit that you already have is like a piece of Velcro stuck to the wall. And then you're going to take your, this new habit, this new thing that you want to do, and you're going to stick it to it. Um, because once you pair those things together, they'll basically be paired for life. Like you were saying before, you want your kids to be adults that, you know, they can't imagine having breakfast without reading the Bible and drinking coffee, right? It's just an automatic association in their minds. So that's what we want our kids, our whole families to do. We have to be intentional about taking that first habit, one that we already have, and then pairing this Bible reading, prayer time, the connection with God time with that, right? So that as our kids grow up, they can't imagine not praying before they go to bed. They can't imagine not reading the Bible with their breakfast. They can't imagine a drive to school without worship music, So Mm -hmm. that just becomes part of who they are. Yes. Yes. And that is the goal. That's what we want to do is to raise them in that way. And for them to be able to catch these things subconsciously, they won't even realize that it's happening because we're not saying, again, we're Mm -hmm. not giving a checklist. You need to check these things off. These are the things you do. If you're, if you are a good Christian, you pray, you go to church, you read your Bible. No, that's not what it's about. It's about them seeing us live this. And when we get to live it alongside them, then it just becomes part of who they are and part of the culture of our home. Christy, Mm -hmm. thank you so much. This was fantastic. We could just go on talking about this forever. (laughs) We probably could. Yeah. (laughs) That was great. Well, and I'm excited for parents to be able to get a hold of your book, Fruitful. I will link it in the show notes below. And again, be watching on our Instagrams. We'll do a giveaway of this book. And as we close, I want to actually turn us to a different passage of scripture that has just been coming back to my mind over and over as during this conversation, as we were talking about having our roots down deep, down deep in the Mm -hmm. spirit, took me back to the old Testament. So I'm going to close us up with a little portion of Psalm one. It says, Mm -hmm. blessed is the man. Blessed is the child. Blessed is your child are your children who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but may their delight be in the law of the Lord. And on this law, may they meditate day and night. May each of these children be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit, that fruit of the spirit, which yields its fruit in season. May their leaves not wither and whatever they do, may it prosper. And may they continue to grow in the Lord and in truths of him as you lead them to him as their shepherd that God has entrusted them to. For this time, you are doing a mighty work, moms. Keep it up. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Have a blessed week, friends. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. 
Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends.